Our second lesson this morning serves as a, a pivot point between Luke and Acts. That transition between the Gospel of Luke that tells the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the book of Acts that tells the story of the church led by the Spirit of Christ. So listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Christ, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come as the same, in the same way as you saw him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've had a hard time finding God this week. Maybe you have too. The gravity of evil events and actions just feels too much. Three shootings in three weeks. In the places we all frequent. Grocery stores, schools, churches. And my guess is you have felt much like I have the full range of emotions, grief and rage, lament and blame, shock, thoughts and prayers, calls to action. When we stare into unspeakable gun violence, all of those things are valid. Writing a sermon this week was tough because, in truth, I don't have any words, or at least not any new words for the unthinkable place that we find ourselves, except that it is heartbreakingly not new. 
I will tell you that I'm personally wearing this week's school shooting pretty close to my heart after a gun was brought to Druid Hills High School just three weeks ago. And my own three and five-year-old got to spend three hours in lockdown in their nearby preschool on Emory's campus. And their brilliant teachers kept them safe and helped them have a special adventure in the cozy corner where they got to have a picnic lunch and a sleepover nap time. But when I picked up my kids that day, I also had to explain to my three-year-old that someone near their school had made a bad choice. And he is now very concerned about making sure that bad guys go to jail, in three-year-old terms, because he needs to know and trust and live in a world where he feels safe. And the truth is, I can't promise that to him. Our children who sit in these pews week in and week out know these lockdown drills at school with as much familiarity as a fire drill or a tornado drill, except that what they're practicing for isn't a natural disaster, but a preventable one, rooted in nothing more than human brokenness and evil and access to guns that makes that brokenness heartbreakingly destructive. And it shouldn't be this way. So there are responses of all kinds floating around the airwaves. But something made you come to church this morning, to tune in to worship today. And I imagine you might be asking the question that I've found myself asking this week, which is, where is God in the midst of this? I find myself asking that as a pastor, and as a parent, and as a disciple. In times like these, I want to cling to Jesus. Like the disciples in today's scripture, I want Jesus to stay as close as he possibly can to me, to be that divine comforter and to tell me that it's all going to be okay. Or maybe even more than that, I want Jesus to be the one who waves some kind of cosmic magic wand and fixes it. In this morning's scripture, the disciples ask, is this the time that you'll restore Israel? As if to say, we've been waiting. Can you use some of that divine power or stir up some military might? Didn't you come because you were going to take over and clean up all this mess? And then we remember that Jesus didn't take up any arms but told Peter to put down his sword. And so this isn't exactly the week that we want the lectionary to tell us the Bible story about how Jesus leaves, about how he Superman-style disappears into a cloud. In a world that feels scary and overwhelming and like it's all just a little too much too often, we want a God who is near, who is with us, who won't leave us or forsake us. This is a time that we long to feel God's presence, and instead we look at the faces of children who should still be alive today, and we feel God's gaping absence. We could just as easily look up with the disciples into the clouds and wonder, why did Jesus have to go? And what now? But as I have mined this text and my own heart with the Spirit's guidance this week, I have come to believe that Jesus' ascension is not abandonment. Jesus' ascent serves to place us back into the story of God, which has always been the story of God with us. 
Every detail of his ascension in the text that we heard serves as a reminder of where we have found God in the past precisely so that we can know where we can find God in the future. Jesus appeared to the disciples over 40 days, just as God was with Jesus in the desert during a time of temptation and trial. Jesus goes into a cloud, that same cloud that journeyed with the Israelites in the wilderness when they were lost and longing, depleted and doubtful. He goes into the cloud where he, like Moses, has been transfigured before, empowered with a new sense of purpose. He ascends like Elijah, a prophet called to speak truth to power for the sake of a peaceable kingdom. His ascension is not an act of abandonment as much as it is an invitation for us to step fully into the story of, the, of God, who has been with us from the beginning and will be with us to the very end. But even with God's promise to be with us, the disciples' fear is real. Our fear and grief are real. And Jesus doesn't ask us to step fully into that story without being equipped with everything that we need. As he ascends, he offers us a parting gift. He blesses us with the Spirit, God's breath, the epitome of God with us, within us. And the good news is that the Spirit of Christ is not dependent upon our proximity to the physical person of Jesus, who is one person in one time and one place. The Spirit of God is one who is as close to us as our very breath the God who goes with us wherever the path may lead, and in, it, in that we can find comfort. But the Spirit Jesus sends has a name. The Spirit is called the Advocate, and so we are called not just to comfort, but to bear witness. Jesus' gift of the Spirit passes the torch to us, giving us everything we need down to our very breath to be Christ's witnesses. I often think of the role of witness as a passive one, one who gets to sit by and watch. But this gift of the Spirit is a call to be active witnesses, to see and to tell, to lament and to advocate, to pray and to act, to grieve and to hope, to inhale and to exhale. When new members join this church, my charge is always to find your breath in this place, to find a place where you can inhale God's spirit, where you can be fed by God's love, and to find a place where you can exhale God's grace, where you can bear witness to the mercy and love of God in a broken and fearful world. We breathe in to be made alive in Christ's love, and we breathe out so that we can speak out. So no matter what you're carrying today, do that with me now, will you? Put your feet on the floor. Ground yourself on the earth that God has created. And close your eyes for just a minute and take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Breathe in God's mercy. And breathe out God's mercy to others. Breathe in God's love and breathe out God's love to others. The thing about breathing is that you can't just hold it in. You have to exhale. 
We are given the advocate so that we might advocate. This term for the Spirit, the advocate, is rooted in our vocare, our call. So to advocate is to be called alongside Christ, to speak on behalf of Christ. The Christ who said, let the little ones come. The Christ who said, love one another as I have loved you. The Christ who wept in grief when his friend died. The Christ who knelt and washed feet to serve others. The Christ who flipped tables when we had made idols out of things other than God. And the Christ who gives us peace. The advocate calls us to advocate on behalf of Christ. Preacher Lloyd Ogilvie wrote a few years ago that the Spirit is not given for our private enjoyment, but for God's deployment into a world in need. It is equipment for costly caring. So while the world debates what it means for us to bear arms, the advocate is calling us to bear witness to Christ to witness to love when the world seems void of it, to witness to, ho to hope when hope is hard to find. And we don't do that alone. You come to church because church is a place where we live out that both-and call, where we inhale and exhale together. Church is a place where we can lament and grieve together, reflect and pray together, learn to trust in God together. And we need those sacred places in our broken world. My friend and fellow pastor Jenny Norris Lane offered just that space at First Presbyterian Uvalde this week as grieving families gathered for vigil. The community needed a place to grieve together. And so while I appreciate the sentiment, some have dismissed the importance of thoughts and prayers this week, and I think it's important to remember that the church is about creating a space to lament to a God who hears. In the earliest days of the church, when the disciples were grieving and afraid, they gathered in an upper room, and Christ came among them, bringing them peace. But it's not just thoughts and prayers, right? Because Christ didn't stay in that upper room with them, locked away for the fears and the troubles of the world. Christ sent them forth. And so the church is also a place where we exhale together, where we are strengthened as witnesses to go forth and advocate, to bear witness to the kingdom of heaven, to tell the story of Christ who calls us to still a more peaceable way. A few weeks ago when Molly was locked down in Cozy Corner, she was aware in, in preschool terms that there was a bad guy nearby, and she was afraid. And at bedtime that night when she and I were reflecting on the day, she told me that when she was in Cozy Corner, she prayed to God. And I said, oh, Molly, that's great. What did you pray? She said, I prayed, dear God, can you help me? I need your help because I'm scared. Help me to stay calm so I don't cry. And unlike her mother right now, I said, Molly, that's a wonderful prayer. And she said, Mom, the prayer worked. God helped me. I didn't cry. But I was sitting on her bedside that night fighting back tears. And I gave thanks I give thanks for a community who had given her the language 
and the confidence to pray when she was frightened and to trust that God would be worth where no child, including my own daughter, would need to endure another lockdown at school. To trust in a God who was with us even when we're afraid. And we come to church to breathe out, to be strengthened, to bear witness, to advocate among friends and in halls of power for a world where our lives and our policies would be so transformed that we would be a part of bringing about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So breathe in and breathe out and go. May it be so.